Hello everybody and thank you for downloading. Before we start with our weekly episode of Football Aladruka, we at the podcast would like to send our sincerest condolences to the family and loved ones of the two Ankara Gujus supporters who died in Friday's bus crash. Young Eren Achigus and Mert Turgut Chakur, aged only 15 and 17, tragically passed away while their bus crashed on their way to the Antalya Spor versus Ankara Gujus match. May they rest in peace. Hello everyone and welcome back to Football All Turco. This is our third episode and thank you for downloading. I'm Kam Bayaza, joined once again by Burak Sezgin and Uzar Jinjar. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey Kam, thanks. It's good to be back. Good evening, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be back with you again. And pleasure to hear from both of you, of course. And uh, guys, did you get any more feedback this week? Yeah, good, some good feedback. I think this time we're going to be back for a third installment. We're going to be leaner and trimmer than before. Yeah, I think that was the, the, the common message we did receive that tried to keep it a little bit shorter. Obviously, our first two episodes were a little bit longer than we would have hoped. Last week, the Derby, lots of things to talk about. And the week before that, our first episode, so we had to get it out, introductions and such. But we will exactly. definitely aim for a little bit of a leaner episode, like the guys uh, just said. So let's get into that. Let's make work of that and let's get straight into the news before we start with uh, the Cup and Super League results. Um, the big news coming out in Turkish football this week, Şenol Güneş has officially agreed a four-year deal with the Turkish Football Federation to take over the Turkish national team on June 1st. He is currently, of course, employed by Besiktas and his contract is set to expire on May 31st. Um, let's throw to you first, Azer. What do you think? Good appointment for the Turkish national team? Yes or no? Uh, yes, in, one, in a single word, yes. I think we're, I'm pleased that we finally managed to get rid of uh, Luchescu, who was a co- coach that I respected and, and admired a lot, but his heart just really wasn't in the job. Uh, so his departure is good. Şenol Ganesh, of course, guided us to our proudest moment in 2002. Uh, so it's going to be a, kind of a nostalgic return, or at least... A nostalgic, uh, wishful return to, to those kind of days, but we'll we'll see. We have a good squad, um, not necessarily the golden generation that he inherited back then, but still, generally, I'm happy with the appointment. What about you, Burak? What's your thoughts on uh, the appointment? I'm happy to see Chanel back on the helm. It's good to see a, a Turkish coach. I just hope he brings in a lot of the, the young players that are coming through and hungry, the, the likes of Ozan Kabak, Merih Demiral, keeping Cengiz and there, maybe even giving Enes Unal some more opportunities as well. So, and and I, I think Emre Akbaba can be a great uh, midfield uh, general for the national team. So, happy to have a Turkish coach back. I uh, just hope he doesn't pick old stalwart players and uses this as an opportunity to clear out the older generation and bring in the, the new exciting players that we're seeing coming up through the ranks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well said, bro. 
Yeah, I think that was kind of the mission that Mirchard Luchescu was ta- kind of tasked with. He gradually did that, I think, transitioned the, the old guard into the new a little bit, and perhaps a little bit of a, um, a tankless job for him. But uh, I do know from a colleague in Romania that he was very proud in what he did, in the, in the sense that uh, bringing in the new generation. And I think perhaps... My first inclination would be, look, I mean, as you guys know, for me, the story with Gunesh and, and, and Bishtesh has been finished for quite a while. He's, he's overstaying his welcome, so to speak. So in that sense, I would have probably preferred for him to take over when Luchescu did, or at least, uh, you know, at, during the summer or so. But realistically, perhaps it's not a bad thing to have a buffer in between uh, somebody who takes care of the transitional period from one generation to the other because that's a very difficult job very tankless job like i said and now Chinel can start off with a with a clean sheet so to speak overall i do think it's a it's a good appointment i i do prefer for when it comes to a national team to have a more experienced a little bit older coach i think at club level you probably especially for a big club you probably want a little bit more of a younger coach, more modern approach, but I think Shinal Gunesh is, is, is a very good con- uh, candidate for the, the Turkish national team, but I think I said it previously that someone like Aykut Kocaman, I think, definitely could have uh, gotten his chance too, but Shinal Gunesh is kind of the, the safe bet uh, after, of course, Fatih Terim's last stint. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, there were also Turkish Cup results during the midweek, and these were the quarterfinals in the Turkish Cup. The second legs were being played this week. Hatay Spor beat Galatasaray 4-2, ended 4-4 on aggregate, and Galatasaray go through on away goals. Gustepe beat Malatya Spor 1-0 in Izmir, but that wasn't enough as Malatya Spor had won the first leg 1-0, and the penalty shootout resulted in favor of Malatya Spor 4-5. Kasim Pasha were beaten at home against Akisar, and that was a kind of a runaway win on aggregate 2-5 to Akisar, so the Turkish Cup winners of last season move on to the semi-finals as well. And then finally, Umranje Spor beat Trabzonspor 3-1. The first leg had ended 0-0, so Umranje Spor are true to the semi-finals as well, and they are the only first league team in the in the semi-finals, so that's the second tier of Turkish football. Those semi-finals were already drawn, but the dates and times are not known yet on w- when these matches will be played. Sorry, Umranya Sport takes on cup holders Akisar and Galatasaray take on Malatyaspor. Any uh, remarks here, guys, or shall we move on to the Super League fixtures? I would love Umranya to win it. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say as well that if Galatasaray were to win it, it would mean that the fifth place team would go to yep. Europe. So that's something to be aware of in the coming mm-hmm. weeks as well. For me, that's... Uh, I mean, it would be nice, of course, to see Akisar win back-to-back cups in a way, but honestly, they're so knee-deep in uh, or neck-deep even in, in the relegation battle right now um, that it's it's probably difficult for, for to justify that. I mean, imagine they go down and next season they play in the Europa League as a second uh, division team. It would be kind of uh, yeah. interesting and funny, but... Uh, I think I think that did actually happen on the Kayseri Erciyaspor. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's happened before, of course. I, I remember mm. West Brom being in the Europa League while they were playing in the, in the championship. Yeah. Uh, and it happens from time to time that a second division team reaches the Europa League, but um, for our coefficients, it's probably not the most ideal because... Uh, Akisar are going to be focused on winning promotion if they were to relegate and, and how 
yeah. uh, keen will they be in, in fielding their best 11 in the Europa League then. So uh, I think it, the most... It was... Um... So sorry to cut you off. I just I just had a quick check there. It was it was Besiktas, but it was two thousand and seven. Oh okay okay, that's yeah. a long long time ago. In long the galaxy, time ago, far far away. Yeah. Let's move on to the Super League results. Friday, the first match that was played, it was only one match on Friday, and that was a quite surprising result, I should say. Uh, Antalya Spore were beaten at home 2-4 against Ankara Guju. Ankara Guju now with back-to-back wins. This match was, of course, played at 8.30 local time. Um, the goals scored in this match, the first one was scored by Grando in the 19th minute, 1-0 to Antalya Spore, but the... Dever Urgil scored a first half hat-trick. He made it 1-1, 1-2 and 2-3 in the 22nd, 26th and 41st minute respectively. He is the first player to score a first half hat-trick since Buffetim Bigomis did last season for Galtzrai. In the meantime, Nazim Sangari scored another beauty. He had equalized in the 30th minute for Antalya Spore and Tyler Boyd uh, put the cherry on the cake for Ankara Gaju in uh, 90th plus 5 minute with uh, his second week, second goal in two matches, two to four was the final result here. Um, gonna throw to you, Burak. First, what did you think of this match? Oh, it was a great game of football. Like you said, great game by Nazem Sangada. You should definitely check that out. And if the combination of Orgil and Boyd can keep this up, then I think Ankara Guju will have no issue staying up. They've just got to keep those two players fit and. Well, now, Antalya, the Vernico had one win in the last six, so that's a little bit worrying run of form for them. And, of course, next week you have Ankara Gujar at home to Bursa Sport, which is going to be really interesting um, in the, the relegation zone. But um, I was talking to a friend of mine about Orgil, and he apparently he said somewhere online that being in Turkey reminds him of being in, in Jamaica with regards to how hospitable uh, the people are. So... That's great news to hear, and uh, long may he continue. Those are uh, your opinion on the match. Uh, well, Nazim Sangare again with an almost carbon copy of the of the extraordinary strike from last week. Very impressive. Um, and again, as Burak said, Orgil and Tyler Boyd are just really running the show for for Ankara right now. I think Orgil is has is candidate to be uh, MVP of the week yeah, on the sure. Super League. Four goals in two matches for him, and and all. Four of them were extremely important and, and got them uh, six points, really, with his goals. So uh, definitely a shout-out to uh, Urgil, who is in amazing form. Definitely did not expect that if you look at his uh, career uh, trajectory so far, but he's been impressive since joining Ankara Guju. Let's move on to Saturday, the first match. Another important one when it came to the relegation battle, because, of course, as as I already mentioned, this was an important win for Ankara Guju, and so did their friends. Bursa Spor get a very important win against Demir Group Sivaspor in the early match. Well, actually, there were, this was played simultaneously as the Kayseri Bishtesh match, so there wasn't an early match on Saturday. Bursa Spor won 3 2 against Demir Group Sivaspor. Goals coming from Emre Kilinch putting the visitors in front in the sixth minute, but Abdullah. Uh, Shehu made it 1-1 in the 20th minute. Henry Salvet scored the 2-1 in the 62nd minute, right before uh, a penalty was missed by Sako, or should I say Tolgahan saved it. Then Ndinga made it 2-2 in the 89th minute, but Aitach Kara scored a very clinical 
90 uh, six minute of stoppage time winner for Bursa Sport that uh, put the home side in, in cloud nine really uh, and he gives them the three points with that amazing strike from the edge of the box. Bursa Sport with that move out of the relegation zone now uh, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later but a very important win for Bursa Sport was there. Yes, the first win after nine games. And what a way to win it as well in the 96th minute, my touch. Um, sent Summit Ibaba close to tears, but it was, uh, it was a really great to see Borussia finally win again. The Siva Sport's first goal was, I just think it was a crazy goalkeeping error from the Borussia Sport keeper. He needs to be, you know, he needed to be stronger and braver and come out and get the ball. But by the same same margin, the Borussia Sport's winning goal the ball just happened to get played through two Sivas players. And I really think the goalkeeper should have done a lot better, better with that. Um, and going back to the penalty that Borussia Sport were awarded, um, I think, you know, safe to say there were no controversies surrounding that. It was just um, another great save. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tolgahan's a goalkeeper that's impressed me, if I'm honest. And uh, yeah, you do make a good point that he didn't look too shabby today. With uh, on this, On the third goal... I wasn't too sure, but it just seemed to dwindle in a little bit. Um, and and I touch a great strike, of course, but it kind of just felt like he was, you know, just shooting and praying, so to speak, shooting an inshallah, <laughs> 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 um, which I can understand given Bursa Sports position. Um, but yeah, I was surprised mainly by the lack of nervosity, perhaps from Bursa Sport. I mean, I didn't have the feeling that they were super on edge. Like uh, two years ago when they almost relegated and, you know, the entire stadium was biting their nails and and fans were crying in the stands and everything like that. Of course, it's still early now, but still, they were in a very uh, precarious position and uh, they get themselves out of it for the time being, at least with a very important and emphatic winner by Aitach Kara. Moving on to the second match at uh, that was also played at 4 o'clock was Kayseri Sport against Besiktas. This match ended 2-2. Atiba Hutchinson put Besiktas ahead in the 38th minute, but uh, Artem Kravets uh, he, uh, scores once again for Kayseri Sport in the 58th minute. And then uh, Denis Turuc in the 62nd minute put Kayseri Sport ahead. But Janar Erkin got a lucky goal in the 90th minute. Kind of a, a cross or a shot, I'm not sure what that was, to salvage a point for Besiktas. But once again, Besiktas in the lead at halftime and giving it away in the end. And it's not the first time this season. That's happened quite a lot this season where they take the lead and, and give it away. Both teams are still unbeaten in 2019. That's uh, worth mentioning. And that's, these are back-to-back draws for Besiktas, of course, following their uh, 3 draw with Fenerbahce last week. Um, Burak, I'm going to throw to you first. I think Besiktas is still recovering by the looks of things. They haven't managed to, to shake off the shock of that 3-3. Um, I thought that um, it, it just happens. I think after like a, a big derby like that, sometimes you need to get back into mental sharpness and maybe that, that was lacking. Um, I thought at, at 2-1, Carries very nearly letting a third goal. He like with a, a, a fumble attempt, um, and he's you know he's not fumbled anything. I don't think in the last however many games I've not seen any headlines about Carries making any errors. So uh, quite lucky not to let one in. And the, the Jana goal at the end is, is one of those typical free kicks that comes through a crowd of people. And was it a cross? Was it a shot? 
no Bishop Class plays attacked it. It just know. like it just happened to creep in, uh, but probably deserved because of the amount of pressure you put on attacking wise. Um, so, but one thing actually, the the disallowed Kaiserspor third goal was that. Do we know if that was going for an offside or a foul? Because I know a Besiktas player stumbled over a Kaiser player who was on the floor in a box. I'm not sure if the ref saw that as uh, a foul or I, I personally think it was an offside call um, from what I remember. But uh, Kaiser Sport unlucky not, not to get the win. But like I say, a draw I thought was a deserved result. On that VAR call, uh, it was actually given for an offside. The, the linesman had, had raised his flag. Um but I, but I think had, had right. that goal been allowed, which it looked very, very narrow to me on the VAR replay. I mean, had that goal been allowed, it would have been 3-1 to Kayseri and it would have been a very different finish to the match. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a flattering point. I mean, it, it's a yeah. lucky goal right at the end. Uh, and, and it's kind of like I predicted last week, this is going to cause Besiktas, that, that's a mental blow that's going to be very difficult to overcome. Uh, in, in, in years prior... Besiktas had shown a tremendous mental agility, so to speak, where they could bounce back from big setbacks. But at this point, the the tank is is in the red already, and I think it's just so difficult then. And, and you know, Kayseri Spore have been performing really well in the second half of the season. I was surprised, really, to, to that Besiktas even took the lead, um, but not surprised by the fact that... Uh, this match did not end in their favor. In fact, I was thinking this is going to end uh, at halftime. I thought it was going to end in a Kaiser Sport win. So a point more than I had expected. Um, really not much to say. I mean, for me, I've said it last week too. The, the, the Channel Gunnar story at Bistach is over. Should have been over a couple of months ago. Uh, and they're just wasting time right now. There's no point in carrying on with him just Put the new coach in place. Give the reins to Guti. Let's see how he does. Let's get him, you know, working out his philosophies with the team. Right now, you're just, you know, you're you're working with a coach that's already confirmed to be leaving at the end of the season. There's absolutely no benefit at keeping him. Plenty of respect has been shown already by keeping him around for as long as as Bishtish has. I mean, if this would have been Galtzray, he would have been out the door last season when things went as bad as they did in the league, despite the good Champions League run. I think this is a very dumb decision to keep Schalke-Nish around as long as, as they have. They've already wasted two seasons. No need to waste these three months. You could better give a coach now these three months and then the training camp in the summer rather than put him in front of the group in the summer and, and, and just give him that training camp and hope everything goes well come next season. But uh, rant over on Besiktas. Moving on to the late match in... Um, on Saturday, sorry, that was Fenerbahce against Chaiko Rizespor. The informed team Chaiko Rizespor suffered their first defeat of 2019. Fenerbahce winning this one 3-2. Goals here came twice from uh, Dario Melniak, who had scored the 1-0 for Rizespor in the 6th minute. And then he had also scored the equalizer in the 55th minute. In between, Serdar Aziz had equalized for Fenerbahce in the 22nd minute and Roberto Soldado had put them ahead in the 40th minute. Victor Moses scored a penalty in the 84th minute to clinch the three points for Fenerbahce. This is their third win in 2019, also their third home win, uh, coincidentally. There was also a red card in the 42nd minute uh, for Mykolo Morozi Moroziuk, God, these names, uh, in the 42nd minute. 
and then there was uh, the penalty position that was quite controversial, but quite a lot of penalty shouts in this match. I, I think I counted four or five, Burak. Um, a, a golden win for Fenerbahce, of course, and I think Rizespor, this won't really hurt them too much. I mean, they've been in great form. I think they'll continue that way, but uh, for Fenerbahce, definitely very important points. Uh, yeah, I mean, if Carlsberg did get out of jail cards, I mean, this was uh, definitely a, a pulsating, nervous game for me for me to watch. Um, on on the penalty calls, I think we had. This, I think there was four. I think the only t- the one that was given for the foul on Sardar Aziz was a penalty that's been uh, confirmed by the the EFAB rules, which we can go over later if you want to. Um, uh, the the first handball by by Mariki. Um, at first, I thought yes, but then I saw it a few times. I thought, no, the ball's really close. It's bounced up and hit his hand. He can't really give that uh, second penalty call from the the skirtle header. I think that I looked at the distance of the the Rizespor defender to the to to skirtle. I think it was too too close to call it accidental. I mean, to call it deliberate. So you know that's not given. I think the third one should have been given when, I can't remember, I think it was Hassan Ali crossed it into the ball, across the ball into the box, and there is a sport defender, his arm stopped it from reaching Soldado, and I think that was enough for it to be called as a as a penalty. Um, I've never seen Victor Moses take a penalty in all my years of watching him play in the Premiership, maybe in penalty shootout, so I was nervous as he stepped up to, to put that in. Um but like you say, it was a good, a great win for us. And, and at the moment, you know, as Farabacha fans, we can't look for, for pretty football and pretty passing. We've just got to look for wins and points. And we go away to Bashak Shahir next week, which is going to be tough. And then we've got Galtasaray in the next two or three weeks. So every point counts um, at the moment. Um, so the goals that Sardar and Soldado scored were both scrappy. But I will take those over like Hassan uh, Kaldun Fuzet any day of the week right now. So apart from that, I just want to give a uh, shout out to Owitz D Muse on, on Twitter, um, a Nigerian fan who attended the game. And he was um, tweeting from before the game and the Farabacha fans chanting for Okacha as well. So thank you for coming along. Um, I think you brought us some good luck for, for Victor to get that in. Um, I would have liked to have seen Zeitz get a little bit more playing time, but um, I, I, I think he's going to be a good player for us. So happy with the win, quite lucky as well, playing against 10 men and we couldn't really create, but beggars can't be choosers at the moment. You was there, what do you think of the match? Well, well first of all, um Barak, if you could please send a direct message to that fan who showed up at the game and make sure that he attends next week's game against Bashak Shahir. <laughs> I will personally pay for his ticket. If, if this guy's a good luck charm, I oh, can't that, take any now chances. Now you're making uh, very, <laughs> very tall promises. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I mean, uh, we, we can come to that later, but I, I can assure you that uh, a lot of Galatasaray fans will be, will be supporting Fener next weekend. Um, but I suppose part of that is, is Fener's kind of mini resurgence in the last couple of weeks. First, the comeback against Besiktas, and then the, the narrow but probably on balance deserved win against Riza has given them a little bit of breathing space, and they should probably go into that with a lot more confidence than they would have done before. Um, although, 
a lot less desperation too. So it could work both ways. Uh, Fenerbahce found the found the equalizer through Valbuena again. He threw his yep. his wonderful pass. And a, um, a corner too. His the first yes. equalizer. Oh, that's was, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the, right. And yeah. again, my, my without without that, one of my favorite players in the league. Um, I think Fener had two two penalty shouts that Barak mentioned to as well just before the third one was finally given. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a lot of controversy at the time when that penalty was awarded because the yeah. there were a couple of players in an offside position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we found out soon after that, that is actually. Uh, it does deserve a penalty or a foul, even if the player is in offside position. If the if the offside isn't awarded, it depends. So it uh, was the the it's very coincidental that almost the exact same thing happened this weekend uh, with Tottenham, I believe, uh, in the Premier League, and it was explained there. Uh, but there's a difference here, though, in my opinion, uh, because the rules specify that if the foul is committed before the player plays the ball or makes an attempt for the ball, right? If I'm not mistaken. And right. if you look at when the fall occurs, it's happening. At the same time? It's, I think, after. It's hard to say, yeah. It's, it's, hard hard, to it's very really difficult, but he's already making a move for that ball, clearly. And then the fall happens. It's very tough. I think uh, it's, it's definitely... Uh, for me, this is not a penalty, if I'm honest. But yeah, I mean, we, I, I never want to. Uh, I don't. I don't think you should ever push for compensation calls because I think Fenerbahce have gotten quite a few compensation calls in recent weeks already. Um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, if you tally four or five penalty shots, of which two could definitely made be an argument made for. At the end of the day, can you call it undeserved? I don't think so, but. For me, this was not a penalty, even with the clarification of those rules, because there's a clear play for the ball by that player before the fall, in my opinion. That's I, I don't know what your opinion is on it, Barack, but uh, yeah, love to hear well, it. Um, I have the exact wording from EFAB here, which I would like to read to, to you, gentlemen, and, and our listeners, yeah. um, which says, um, a player in an offside position is moving towards the ball with the intention of playing the ball and is fouled before playing or attempting to play the ball or challenging an opponent full of ball. The foul is penalised as it has occurred before the offside defence. So the bit we should focus on there is challenging an opponent full of ball. Mm-hmm. Now, Sardaraz has went up to challenge the opponent full of ball. What is potentially debatable is he took a very soft hand to the face which i think is what they're classing as the foul now after after he took the hand to the face the guy did kind of grab his foot as if you're trying to give someone an alley-oop over the fence <laughs> and he just literally flipped him over onto his back so i think that was the foul no um so i'm not sure if that that would count but it should count so i think the hand to the face is you know, it's not it's not deliberate. There's not a great deal of force behind that, but I think when he then grabs his foot and flips him over, that's definitely that's definitely yeah. a foul. And that, I don't know what me, he was. I, I, what, that's how I interpreted that was the penalty call for that, and I completely agree with you. That's a penalty, but that was clearly after the play for the ball, right? And before and after challenging for the ball. So even according to these rules, this should not be a, a penalty. 
So in that case, the foul was probably given full of push in the face because that's when he was challenging. Um, I mean, if we're confused about it, if, if, if Ruud van Dielman is conf- confused about it, Tumar Metin is confused about it, these guys have they've played the game I to think, a professional I, level. My interpretation on this rule is if there's, let's say, we, we saw the uh, Serdar Aziz was already offside before the free kick was even taken. And we all saw that. But let's say he gets pulled down at that moment, like fraction of a second later, before he has any chance of, of playing the ball or heading the ball. I think the rule is, 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 is created for that. Then it's a penalty, offside or not. But here, I mean, he's already clearly going for the ball, dueling for the ball, he's challenging for the ball, he's already making a movement towards the ball. I really don't think this rule applies here. And, and and if it does, then I think you're in a very muddy water uh, when it comes to going forward, setting a very dangerous precedent. For me, this this rule, this exception, so to speak, that that would um, banish that offside. I, 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 yeah, I really don't think it applies here. I, I don't know about you, Azar. Uh, I mean, there's so many technicalities involved in in. Uh in this kind of split-second action, it's, it's very hard to have a definitive That's view on That's why we have but, VAR. Um, I, 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 well, yeah, but my, my, my views on VAR are... I, I don't trust VAR, you know, because it, <laughs> VAR, the VAR itself isn't, isn't the definitive answer because it relies on the subjective no, but opinion we, of we the referee. Have, we have VAR to evaluate split-second decisions to give a referee a second chance at maybe reconsidering his decision. I mean... Uh, VAR by no means there's people who say VAR should have the, 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 the final decision and I agree with that if they are very if the if there are very qualified people in there but usually there's there's very unexperienced referees in there as well and then I think it's dangerous to do so but that's a, that's another discussion but that's what well, VAR well, exactly, is for yeah. to I give mean, I, I, to give a referee well, the opportunity to take a look at something closer you know, so but yeah, yeah, I I, know, I I appreciate that, but it, it's just relying on yet more subjectivity because the referee might not want to go back on his original decision because it makes him look less mm. capable in the split second. Yeah, it's um, happened a lot in different leagues, and happened. but yeah, not yeah, so much in Turkey just, yet. Well, I just I still think there have been so many questionable decisions that have come out of VAR, even in Turkey, that that means course, that I'm yeah. not completely convinced with with the technology. But, but, if the technology was definitive, and the technology itself what to say, yes, no, offside, penalty, not penalty, then that would be slightly different. But relying on a subjective team of referees who, like you say, often... Yeah, but you're uh, always relying on subjectivity. And I think that you are with... Uh, if you don't have VAR, it's a lot easier for a referee to decide a game one way or the other. With VAR, there's, that's in the back of their head too. And they need to be extremely determined to go a certain way if they are deliberately sabotaging a team or whatever. Uh, because then they really don't have an excuse anymore because that VAR thing is hanging over them. So I, I think it does improve refereeing, as I have already said before. Of course you're still going to have controversial calls, but <laughs> but um, let's move on to this now. G- penalty or not? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. No, no, not you. Buzzer first. <laughs> uh, sorry. The um... Not taking into account any of the previous shouts... This one in particular, with the information Burak gave us about the the, the the rule, penalty or not? Penalty. Okay. Burak? 
I am a man of the law, and the law says penalty. So for me, yes. No, I, I don't agree. The law does not say penalty. The law is very specific about saying if, it, if the ha- fall happens before challenging for the ball, before making a play for the ball, or before making contact with the ball. I think in all three of those instances, he was doing... Except for making contact with the ball, he was making a play for the ball and he was clearly challenging another player for the ball before the fall happened in my opinion, so no penalty. Moving on to Sunday, results. Uh, the early match at 1.30 local time, Konya Sport against Gustepe ended in 1-1. Peter Filipovic had put Konya Sport 1-0 ahead in the 18th minute, but Yasin Ustekin shushed, literally shushed the home fans in the 54th <laughs> minute by equalizing. Uh, Gustepe had a, quite a few chances after that, but it was Konya who came closest to grabbing the win late in extra time. Uh, in the fourth minute of stoppage time, VAR had awarded Gustepe, uh, sorry, Konyaspor a penalty kick. Nate Skubic stepped up, but who else then? The Portuguese panther Beto stopped it um, and ke- keeps uh, precious points for Gustepe that are in trouble or currently in the relegation zone because rivals uh, of theirs won this weekend, of course, with Ankaragaju winning uh, Bursaspor winning, Fenerbahce winning, Gustepe dropped down to those final three. So, going to throw to you first, Azer. What did you think yeah, of this match? I think this game was all about um, Adis Jahovic playing in Konya against his old club, Gustepe, uh, where they should have uh, reached an agreement to keep him on. He was playing exceptionally well for Gustepe last season. But yeah. nonetheless, he, he made the switch to Konya early in the second half in this game. He had a, a very bad miss. Or, or, or let's give better credit. Better made a great save early on in the first half mm-hmm. to deny Jovic a goal, and then, like you said, on the other side of the game, very very late in the match, uh, he misses a point blank yeah. goal, which header right. Uh, yes, that's right, right over the bar after the penalty. Just an unbelievable miss. Yeah, this was after the penalty, which was already at the ninety fourth minute, ninety fifth, ninety sixth. He misses a penalty. Sorry, he misses a header and and skies the ball. So you might mm-hmm. think. That he's still secretly working for Gustepe uh, <laughs> at the back of his mind, but who knows? Yeah. But um, I, I thought that Yasin Ostekin scored a, had a very classy finish, scored a great goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a second chance where he was released, uh, and I think it was in the second half, and he was clear on goal, but the referee pulled it back for offside. Yeah. And it, I, I don't think he was impression. offside. Yeah. Well, exactly. I don't. Believe he was offside. I think I he was the thought... upper player, right? At right, the top that's left. right. Yeah, and he exactly. was onside, I think. And the one in the middle yes. was offside, but not that's actively right. taking part not in the actively. game. Yeah, and and so... my understanding was that um, VAR should, in, should, don't, should intervene until, or, or rather after the, the uh, point has been played. The linesman, but... the linesman should wait with flagging. Right. Uh, yeah, I think he jumped the gun there. Thought, but yeah. he jumped the gun there. Mm-hmm. So, definitely can, I, can I put that as one of my five? Tires where VAR didn't make no because VAR, VAR can't work. do any, VAR can't do anything <laughs> about it. That's the linesman failing. It's that's nothing to do with VAR. Yeah, well. uh, okay, Burak, throwing to you your opinions on the match. I thought, oh, Yahovic, what, what have you done? Um, it's harder to miss from there than to you know than to actually score it with the way he put that header over the crossbar. Um, again, I, I don't know why Yasin was flagged as offside. I don't know if the referee thought that the the player in front of him was interfering with play when he, he clearly wasn't. So Gustav can count themselves very unlucky there. Um, 
and also when Serkan Kuruntula just came charging out of his goal um, at some point early in the first half, I just thought, well, he's you can tell he's played for Fenerbahce before because our goalkeepers in the past, like Grishta and Volkan, have got a reputation for char- <laughs> charging out like madmen and going on adventures, but not as bad as what the... Um, uh, Defender at the end, right? Exactly. I think mean, what the hell is going on there? And I think Konyaspor will look at this as um, two drop points. And I think Skubovic um, really telegraphed his penalty as well. Um, so, yeah, I think he made it a little bit too easy for a goalkeeper to guess where he was going to put it. Um, so I'd expect um, a better finish. Um, but yeah, like like Ozzy said, it was uh, the game of um, Jovic. So a secret agent, potentially. <laughs> yeah, and I had dubbed Konyaspor as my favorites to get that fourth, fourth spot finish, uh, and maybe even third uh, for that... Uh, no, sorry, the fourth spot, but maybe even third, yeah, with Besiktas perhaps floundering in the standings. Um, but they've also kind of been uh, disappointing, especially the last two matches. I think I expected more from Konyaspor. Uh, I think they put in a brave performance against Fenerbahce. Was that, that was two weeks ago, I think, right? Um but then, or wasn't it? I think it was. Uh, but then, yeah, now this kind of a disappointing result against Gustepe, who are definitely not uh, in the best form as of late. But uh, all in all, I think Gustepe might have uh, deserved a little bit more here because, yeah, that offside call was very crucial, and I don't think it was offside. And those are the types of things that can decide matches. And uh, I think that's where VAR could come in handy if the linesman would just follow the instructions and wait with flagging. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've said enough about this. Let's move on to the next match. Malatya Sport against Basakshi here was played at 4 local time. Malatya Sport losing at home 0-2. Basakshi here with the winner. Um, Emre Belzogu scoring the first goal in the 44th, 44th minute from a penalty spot. And then Indian Vistja doubled the scoreline in the 57th minute. Um, there's two goals that were disallowed as well. For Basakshi here, one in the first half, I think that was a goal from Arda, if I'm not mistaken. And then one late in the second half after it was already 2-0. Uh, Edin Vicia scored a second, but that was disallowed for offside. I think both were correct decisions by far. Um, and then uh, let's talk about the penalty position. I've seen a lot of people talk about that one, that it wasn't the penalty supposedly. Um, gonna throw to you first, Burak. Uh, what was your thoughts on the match and on the penalty position? Well, on the match, I thought it deserved wins for Basakshi here. You know, Malatya have got no wins in their last six games, so they're really on a downward spiral. And I think Basakshi took advantage of the the wounded dog. Um, as for the penalty, for me, it wasn't a penalty. Very, very weak. It was two players coming together in the penalty area. I think we said on the previous week's podcast, you've got to have a little bit of a physical aspect to to football. Of course, you want to turn it down a little bit in the penalty area because penalties can be given. But I think Arda really made the most of it, probably using his experience and what he learned from Luis Suarez um, in Barcelona. And he almost <laughs> almost ran into the player deliberately and then like fell down as if he'd been taken out by one of the three Bashak Shehir fans who attended with a slingshot. Um, but uh, if we could just, Shots just being fired. Indeed, but if we could just give a shout out to, to Edin, Edin Visca, uh, what, 10 goals, 12 assists. You know, Bashak Shehir scored 38. He's been involved in 22. 
and I think strong candidate for uh, player of the season potentially. Um, mm. And I'd l- love to see him move away from Bajak Shahir. Um but I think he's 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 been class with them a season, but never a penalty for Arda Turan. I mean, come on. Is there yeah, any opinion? I mean, uh, yeah, on both those points, I totally agree. It was never a penalty. There was a slight contact, an equal contact between the thighs of both players, and Arda just fell to the ground like a like a sack of potatoes. It was a very very harsh toward that as a penalty. But like you said, he used his experience to fool the ref, and and uh, he got away with it. Uh, as for Edin Vissa, I mean, absolutely, he's going to be MVP of the league if, if they win the league. Even if they don't, he's just uh, such an extraordinary player. Mm-hmm. And it's strangely, uh, he, he must be he must have some sort of supernatural, superhuman uh, presence because he's made 260-odd appearances for which is strange because the club was only founded in 2014 but that's something for <laughs> a different show to analyze but um, I think and stepping aside from this particular game looking at Bajak here overall um, it really pains me to say that I, I think they're going to win the league mm-hmm. I think that they if they do win the league they'll be deserving winners of the league and the biggest contribution for their success will be their away form uh, because I think they've got 30 points all season away from home, which is actually more than half of their overall points. And that yep. is a huge gulf away from the second and third, who are Besiktas and yep. Antalyaspor, who have got 20 and 19, respectively. And I think having that kind of away form is so impressive, so um, so yeah. consistent compared to everybody else, that their second form is only second to Galatasaray anyway. So so that kind of consistency is just uh, is, is, how, is what you need to be able to win the league. And they've only let in 11 goals. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. They've no, only no. 11 yeah. goals is what they've mm-hmm. conceded so far. That's... Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I can't remember a, a champion conceding less than 20 goals uh, since, I think, Besiktas in 2003. They conceded 19 goals. Um, so, I mean, yeah, they, they work out from an incredibly solid defensive uh, basis foundation and they have improved that over the years into becoming a, a decent attacking side as well and they just i mean without impressing i i, I i've said it before they're not a team that really impresses me but at the same time i think they're just so solid and Besiktas and Galatasaray are just not good enough especially Besiktas but uh, they're turkey's version of atletico madrid yeah yeah, with, but don't call him Diego Simeone because... <laughs> <laughs> no, but they are, yeah. They are kind of Turkish version of Atletico Madrid without the fans, without the history, yeah. and without uh, all the charm. But, um, yeah, Bajakshi here with another solid deserved win, maybe. I mean, Malatya Spor were decent in the first half, I thought. Uh, the penalty, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I watched it back, and I... I really don't know. Uh, somebody called, told me it's oh, it's like a body check, and Arda does a body check, and he gets a penalty, and I, that just reminded me of the the, the, the penalty Kiev got against Besiktas two seasons ago, where the attacker literally bumps into Beck with his shoulder, like barges into him, goes down himself, and gets a penalty, which I, I, one of the silliest penalty and red cards that I've seen in my life, but. I didn't think it was quite that extreme here, but yeah, maybe a little soft. And and 
like I said, I think two weeks ago when Burak said um, those two points that they might have lost against Fenerbahce due to that offside call that wasn't but the far being offline. Uh, I, I don't think that apart from maybe that situation, Bishakshi here will have many situations in which they lost points due to the referees, I think. Uh, they always seem to get these 50-50 types of calls their way. Um, but that doesn't take away from what they put down on the mat. And I think at this point in the season, 24 matches in, 10 matches more to go, I don't think there's anyone who could argue that they are undeserved at the top. I don't think Galatasaray or Besiktas deserve to be there instead of them. I think, yeah, they're they're there rightfully so. Um, let's move on to the late game on Sunday. Erzurum Sport against Galatasaray. This one was played at 7 local time. Erzurum Sport keeping Galatasaray at a draw, 1-1. Uh, the opening goal was scored by Rashid Mohamed in the 18th minute. And Yunus Belhanda pulled things level in the 52nd minute, but a winner could not come. This time, no Chertaki for Kostas Mitrolo in at a time because Erzum Spor hold firm and get a point. And this is not the first time in the second half of the season they have already taken a point against Besiktas and Basakshir. And also in the first half of the season, they had also drawn against Fenerbahce. Despite that, however, be, despite being so solid against the top three in the league, um, they are still one to last near the bottom. Uh, they are on 22 points now, which is one more than Akisar, uh, which we'll get to later. But Erzurum Spor, for me, a good, decent team with a bit of a lack of quality to you know, get them over the, the finish line. And they also, news came out today that Mehmet Uzdilek got sacked uh, following this result, which is kind of puzzling to me. Um, but uh, going to throw to you first, Azar, of course, because this is God's Rise match. Let's uh, hear what you have to say about this game. Well, gentlemen, I was sitting pretty last week, but unfortunately in the last five days I've gone from popcorn to burst bubble. And title dreams are all but over. Um, we didn't play terribly, but we didn't play well enough to, to say that I think we uh, won the game. The team selection from Fatih Terim was odd, to say the least. Uh, it was strange that Semi was starting, and it was stranger still when he took, brought him off in the second half in place of Nunes, when we really needed some attacking options instead. Um, I was disappointed to see Onya Kuru play 90 minutes. I thought he was dreadful. Um, his decision-making is very poor, and this has been a, a trait of his since the start. And I think unless he can work on that part of his game, he's, he'll never make it as a top player. But but I'm, I'm seeing a lot of uh, kind of uh, similarities between players we've had in that position on the wings, who have been very fast, very tricky, and had the occasional explosive game, but generally, yeah. Bruma being a good example, Gary Rodriguez also, just being poor decision-making, not knowing when to pass the ball, not knowing when to slow down, not knowing when to shoot, etc. And I think another highlight uh, to, to mention, or I should really call it a low light, is Marcao. Because he has a lot of qualities that I admire, and he has a lot of skills that, that managers look for in, in a modern defender. As in, he's a ball-playing defender, his passing is excellent, um, he can win tackles one-on-one -on -one quite well. But he's made two massive howlers in the space of a week, which have cost us the Europa League and potentially the title as well, because he made a critical mistake in Benfica 
which led to the goal, which gave us a terrible disadvantage going into the second leg. And he made a critical mistake at the weekend against Erzurum as well, which led to the goal. Um, and I think that those two errors could potentially define our season. Yeah, but I, I think if you rely on, on, on two errors to define your season, I think there's something fundamentally wrong with with the team in general. I mean, I, I see the same thing, for example, this week with Bishtesh where uh, Mirin got left out of the team, uh, the starting eleven because... Apparently he's the scapegoat for the tree tree against Fenerbahce. Apparently it was all his fault. I, I, I think it's a dangerous path to go down to. I, I, Marcao, like you said, I mean, good ball playing defender. You need to rem- remember he's only just been there. And the thing is, you're talking about Marcao now, but just as easily Luyen Dama could have been in this boat if if the referees would have been a little bit harsher on him. I mean, he could have gotten easily a red card against Hatay in the first leg. He could have easily gotten a second yellow in his debut match. Uh, I mean, it's just sometimes, yeah, you need a little bit of luck, especially in those first couple of games. Uh, This was, of course, not a great... uh, This was definitely a mistake, sure. But the, the defensive line was pretty high. And I think if you have a guy like Rashid Mohamed who you know is extremely quick. I mean, he's done it to Besiktas in the Europa League. Uh, sh- should be known by now, right? I-, I think you maybe don't play that high of a defensive line. Um, so maybe yeah, a little and, bit of a tactical error. Uh, yeah, and I think, uh, like like I said, T- Terry made a, a, um, a, an interesting uh, starting lineup, which I didn't agree with. But also his tactics weren't exactly... Um, Exactly well thought out either, I don't think. And I think he didn't really adjust mm-hmm. and bring on the right players towards the second half. And this is something I've said both in the last two episodes and, and for the last couple of months on Twitter as well. He's very uh, out of form, I should say, is Fatih today. I mean, that, that's it's uncharacteristic, really, uh, to see him not making the throwing the dice and being all attacking when he really needs to be. Belhanda scored before, before anybody complains about me not praising Belhanda. Belhanda scored the goal. Which um, which is great, but in the grand scheme of things, it, it meant nothing <laughs> because you know he scored against Kasim Pasha a couple of weeks ago. We won the game four one anyway. I, I'm looking for this guy to really yeah. win a match for us, to do something. Though. Yeah, but in the grand scheme of things. I don't know if it's enough to keep our title hopes alive. Really. I mean, I think if you scored a 4-1 and a 4-1 win, then you can say, okay, well, that goal doesn't mean anything. But I think if you score the equalizer, it's an important goal because that jump starts your motor for the win, ultimately. Now, of course, you don't know whether... Probably Galatasaray would have gone up and over Kasim Pasha regardless because they were very poor. But still, that, that you need that goal. I mean, and here again, he gives them that, that, that lifeline, a very early equalizer in the second half. And I mean, I think if you can't force a win, then it's not really his fault. I mean, he, he can't carry the team on his back constantly. He can't be Wesley Schneider against Fenerbahce that one match where he yeah. scored a brace in, in well, two minutes. But, I, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just looking for, for one example in his entire career where he carried us on his back. I mean, there isn't a single case study. I don't think he's that type of player, really, though. I think you're expecting a Schneider effect from him, which I, I, I think he's he's a 10, but not really like that. I mean, he's maybe more... Uh, he, he works quite hard. Maybe the 10 position isn't exactly what you'd... I, I think... Uh, I, I, I don't... I, don't I mean, I'm, every single dead ball situation was terrible. And not just Belhanda. Mm-hmm. I can say the same for Celtic as well, when... When when he uh, when he took the corners and everything, it was, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a serious uh, lack of quality when it comes to dead balls, free kicks, corners. 
Which is weird um, because Selchuk is, is an strange. absolute specialist. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just, I mean, it, it has to do with the flow you're in, perhaps the weather. I mean, it was really cold in Air's room. A ball yeah, and is... the pitch wasn't great. Uh, that's yeah. also true. And it bounced, It bounced unfortunately, for Faguli, who, who took a good shot in the first half as well. But but all these things are excuses. I think the fundamentals mm -hmm. are are that there's this kind of cloud of uh, cloud of uh, poor form hanging over the club. Yeah. It took a yeah. 94th minute goal to, to, to beat Akizar mm -hmm. in the relegation zone. We yeah. failed to beat Erzurum in the relegation zone. Um, we lost yeah. against Hatay after we were 4 0 up on aggregate and threw it away and made it 4 4 and only went through yeah. on the away goals. True. Um, but maybe, I mean, I'm going to put this out there, but I think winning a match in the last minute like you did last week, if you're in first position, I think those are golden points. I think if that's the way you win when you're already six points back, I think it's different, you know? It's, yeah. it's like, oh, we're scraping by and only just barely hanging on, whereas if you're in the lead and you get, like, I remember a couple of seasons ago where Umut Bulut got a really late, like, 95th minute win against Kinsterbeli, um... And I think that was like the last time Galatasaray won the title before last season. And uh, mm. but then you were in the top position. And it's different. I think that the whole vibe is different. And like you said, you know, maybe Terem is a little off form. But honestly, he was never really known for his genius tactical ability, no. right? No, that's true. And, that's true. And I would like to put this out there because this is what I expected when he took over last season. Because I, for me, Terem always, I think he's a motivator. I think it works really well with Turks when he has a lot of Turks at his disposal. So I honestly, last season when he took over from Tudor, I didn't expect him to do so well. And he surprised me positively. But then I'm thinking this, this motivational tactic that he uses, the way he coaches, I think there's a certain stretch on it, but it doesn't work as long. I think it works better with Turks, with native speakers. But I think with foreigners... That 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 mojo, that that magic effect, or whatever you want to call it, I think it, it's 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 over quicker. So it's very puzzling to me that Galtzray extended his contract by five seasons as well. Yeah, I mean Fatih Terim is known as Mr. Motivator, and that's mm -hmm. definitely his his strongest his strongest skill as a manager. Uh, I think it might be it might not be entirely fair to say that it, this kind of uh, motivation only works well with Turkish players because I think. I, I, I recall a lot of uh, foreign players responding quite well to that and speaking very uh -huh. highly of his management style. Um, yeah, but there's also like those who uh, noted him specifically in their autobiographies sure, as sure. some of the worst. Yeah, like well, the war, I think. Ger uh, uh, and Pirlo. Pirlo, Andrea Pirlo yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, again, these are different types of players. These are um, more cultured, more kind mm -hmm. of. Um, Used to something else. Yeah, they're, they're more tactically astute types of players who respond better to kind of a slower, um, tactically... They expect more tactical ...enlightened approach. Yeah. approach. Indeed, indeed. Whereas guys like who Terry Mike's working with are sort of more rough and ready, more raw, more hungry. Mm -hmm. So so it's a different type of player profile rather than Turkish or non-Turkish, I think. Um, but but go, going back to uh, his... His role in the club and his 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 lack of form. I think it. I also found it quite strange that he was offered the a five year extension, kind of in the middle of the season, yeah. uh, on such a long term deal. I, I'm not absolutely convinced he'll see out the next five years. How old um, is he now? 64, 63? 65, I think. 65. Oh, 65. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Um, yeah, I mean, I, just, for... I found that was a strange yeah. timing uh, above everything else. Although I. 
unfortunately, I don't think that Galatasaray are in a position of stability where we can bring anyone better in. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have the finances or the clout in, currently in our in our in our form. Yeah, um, it's, it's, to be honest. able to offer someone better to come over and mm-hmm. and and actually improve us, I think we're actually stuck in a place where Terim is our best option. Um, yeah, I think that's that's one of those things. I mean, what we see, for example, in in the Netherlands when Koku came over to Fenerbahce, they just appointed their their have uh, head uh, youth coach of 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 young PSV who play in the second division, Mark van Bommel, and I think that's something we really lack in Turkey. And I've 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 said it before on the Black Eagles podcast too, but I'd like to see more of that where there's grooming going on. Like for example, what Bistec did with with Guti, appointing Guti as their assistant. And for me, I think he's the logical successor to Gunesh. I think it makes more sense than, for example, Sergen Yalcin. And anyone who knows me a little bit knows that Sergen is my all-time favorite player. I have a, you know, I I love him to bits. I I also really like him as a coach when he's active <laughs> and not on a break. But yeah, I mean, I think that type of of of, of mm, looking ahead. I mean, if I look at the coaching staff at Galatasaray, Hasan Sash, that, that's really not. I mean, if, I think he resigned, right? But he was there for a while. Uh, and then, did he resign after the Fenerbahce match? I think no, no, he he was he was given some sort of fine. Um, okay. Or it was something somewhere the club tried to to deal with it internally without making mm. too much of an example. But but I agree. I mean, Hassan Shaki yeah. is, is not a management material. He's, yeah. Maybe he's more of a mascot on the on the touchline. Well, Imit Davala has all the kind of individual characteristics that you'd expect. He speaks several mm-hmm. languages. He's calm. Yeah. He's he seems to be kind of um, you know reasonably logical. It's just that. In the times he's been given the opportunities on the bench when Terim has been out um, yeah. through through a ban, he hasn't really taken those opportunities. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's because he's but, felt but you still on work with certain or... instructions, uh, right? And exactly. Still exactly. Terim that know. gives you an, a, a notepad and he says, "Look, do this, this, and that." I don't think it's. I don't think you can yeah, really yeah. judge an assistant yeah, I mean, on that. It, I mean, I'm really no. No, that that's that's true, but I, I'm referring more to in-game management, like substitutions and okay. and, and responding yeah. to how the, the the kind of the the, tact, the flow of the of the game. But like I said, he he has a certain uh, ideology which he has to conform to working under Terim. So I would like to see him uh, manage independently at some point another club to see to see how he does because yeah. I think he he has potential. Yeah. So more of a, moving to you, Burak. Um, your opinion on the game? Uh, have Galatasaray shot their chances at the title? You think? Uh, I still think anything is mathematically possible. I think if Fenerbahce beat Basaksehir next week, uh, Galatasaray break the camel's back and beat us in our stadium in a few weeks' time. Um, you could put a little bit more pressure on on Basaksehir, and you know they they may start to. Do a do a Tottenham and start to drop points and and bottle it for you sort of a better term because but they are so far in front. Um, I still think it's possible that Galatasaray could catch them. Um, I think we need to give a shout out to Mbaye Diagne. Um, the only thing he's done since come to Galatasaray is change his haircut. So <laughs> I'm interested to hear what's his thoughts on that. Is he? Is he is he turning into into a dud? Does he like the proverbial bottle of ketchup that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer called um, Alexis Sanchez? You know, he's being shaken yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. And once you release it, he's going to explode with goals. Um, <laughs> and I thought, if we're looking at the the goal by um, Azurum, scored by, you know, Mohammed in the mountains, you know, that's that's got to be some kind of... <laughs> 
you know, you know, it was written. It had to it had to happen. You know, yeah. um, and just like Muhammad like, in the mountains, <laughs> exactly the, the the mountains of Arzurum, and um, yeah. I just thought uh, the pitch was horrendous. Um, but you know, for I just some reason I, I thought you were going to say Isengar. <laughs> No, <laughs> definitely not. Um, but but you know, giving some love to Eggman Court at once, you know, I love them at Fenerbahce. I'm sure you um, have yeah, some fondness for him as well, Khan. Yeah, absolutely. I would, have, uh, I would have loved him at Jim Bomb as well. Beast of a defender. Still, beast. still. Still. Even at this age, unfortunately very injury prone, but absolutely. I think one of the, I would argue, the best Turkish defender in the Turkish league of the last decade or so. I don't, I don't. I can't really think of one that's better, like Turk in the Turkish league. I'm, I'm not talking about guys outside of the league or anything, but yeah, I, I think that's a fair shot. I think that's a fair shot. Yeah, um, it would be good. Yeah, listeners, give us your opinions. Give us your like top three. Yeah. Like, cent- let's go centre backs rather than full backs. On that note, by the way, he at some point I did feel like he kind of jumped up in the neck of Diagne, and I think that wasn't the penalty box. No. That was a, just a friendly Azurum greeting. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I was looking at it in the replay again, and I was like, hmm, penalty maybe? I don't know. What do you think, Ozer? Was it a penalty? Uh, it didn't It didn't strike me as a penalty at first. first long, okay. to be honest. I think only a couple of players like, even lightly put up put up, um, put mm-hmm. up their arms in, in protest, in, to protest that. But uh, I think... Diagne is not only firing blanks, but I said this in episode one. It's not so much that he's not scoring, although that's a fundamental problem. Yeah. It's also his body language, his lack yeah. of effort, and not really getting in positions. Right? He's just—he's just sort of just hanging around. Uh, it, no, but, it's like yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what he what is going on in his mind when he comes. He, he just seems to have no interest in playing football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things that people usually say about strikers, you know, when they're not in a great form, it's like, well, at least he's getting in positions. That's always a good sign that he form might pick back up. But honestly, Diagne, I mean, he got a couple of positions in his in, in his Agasar match. I think he had uh, was it the Agasar game where he got a position early on. But really, overall, he's not really getting in too many positions. He's not really missing chances either. Uh, I think that's worse, maybe even. Because, like you said, body language. Maybe there's just this feeling around them, like, "Oh, I got my big contract." I'm, I'm you know. Yeah, I'm, exactly. Uh, I think Akisar game. He was injured, but the previous game, previous game, oh, it was yeah. uh, he, he got into a couple of half chances, but you know, wasn't able to mm-hmm. finish anything off. Um, I think we could be in for a, a long couple of weeks if his if his form doesn't pick up, because he himself is going to be under a lot of pressure from the fans. Yeah. Already, people Already, are yes, yeah. sort of shouting, you know, shouting at him, saying, well, "What have we spent all this money on? Go home, Jagne, Blah blah blah. All this kind of thing. The classic yeah, that, response from Turkish fans. But but that's the sort of negativity I, I think is a little is is that's one of those things when I was talking about uh, Bistash fans being way too patient with Channel Ganesh. I think there should have been Channel Istifa's chance months ago. But at the mm. same time, I think with Diagne here, it's I think it's it doesn't it doesn't help. You know, spamming his Instagram account with "Go home, go home, go home" or whatever, yeah. and cussing him out. I think that's very detrimental to his performance. Uh, depends, of course, on the player, but I think you can see on the pitch that he's one of those players that 
lashes out and I'm sure he reads his social media account. I mean, he's he's not Wesley Snyder who has obviously has a team on that. I think this is somebody who probably runs his own social media account and I think if reading that kind of stuff on a player that's yeah. already kind of I don't know, I I, I that's but it, but the I type just, of stuff. I, I, I just would. I just I I don't ask for much. I just want him to smile. Just smile, mm-hmm. look happy yeah. and you know, the rest of it will come. Just and get slightly involved it, in the game. It's weird uh, that it doesn't. Just... I mean, Mitroglou here. I mean, very important in the equalizer. Good pass yeah, absolutely. From him. He and he got a lot of criticism well. from the from the media and some fans after the match as well, mm. saying, "Oh, he couldn't repeat his form and blah blah blah." But he actually was quite involved in the in the yeah, football. But, I mean, what, what are they what talking ex- about then? Repeating his form because I didn't think he was particularly good last week. He got a great well, goal, of course, but I mean, yeah, well, you that's, know, that's 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 something else, I suppose. But scoring a goal. I guess is what we expected him to repeat his form and score a goal. He was on the high. But, um, but let's not take any credit away from Arizona Sports' performance because they really didn't play like a team who were struggling to stay in the league. No, that's the thing. I mean, we had an argument with our friend Umut earlier about Erzurum Sport, and, and I was puzzled by the sacking of, of, of his leg because for me, I, I've said it before on the podcast that Erzurum do not play like a team that uh, are, are clear candidates to relegate. I think throughout the season they've played decent football. They've, I think, only lost twice with, with more than a two-goal margin, which is quite uh, worth of note, I think, for a team with that few points. And they, they, they just seem to lack some quality. I think if you look at their squad and you compare it to the rest of the league, it's just not the best squad. I think it's if you look at it objectively... And you rank them one to eighteen. I think they'd be eight eighteen. So it's not really that strange that they are where they are, especially given the fact that Bursa Sport have been kind of a dud. Custom Patch have been kind of a dud lately. But still, I mean, there's not really a team that sticks out like a sore thumb that's going to go down for relegation. I think this season. Um, but I just want to get to your final opinion on something. Is uh, our the title chances over, or do you still see? A chance for Galtzright to win the league? I think there is a chance, a very slim chance there. I was very hopeful at the end of last week after we got the last minute goal against Akisar. I was on cloud nine. Now I think, especially looking at ahead against uh, uh, our fixture list, I think it's a real uphill struggle. We haven't won in Cody Curry since 1999. We really need Fener to do us a huge favour. Do they have any incentive to do that now they're out of the relegation zone? I'm not sure. I think there's so many obstacles in front of us that make it very difficult for us to to seriously think about winning the league. But as Burak said, and as as Terim said rather, it's the football. That's the football. Everything is something. Okay, I do agree uh, with, with, with what you guys say. I, I, for me, it's it's. I think I wrote it on Twitter as well in response to your your question, Uzi, whether. Galtzreich lost the title or not. I think it's kind of 70, 30, 80, 20 mm. right now. It's it's still possible, but not very probable. Um, yeah, exactly. That's that's yeah. my position too. It's possible. Of course, it's still mathematically possible, but I don't think it's very probable. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Monday results. There were two matches on Monday. Um, Kasim Pasha against Trabzonspor and... Uh, 
Akisar against Alanya Spor were played simultaneously at 8 local time. Kasim Pasha gets a point, their first point in 2019. After a 2-2 draw against Trabzonspor, they came back from 2-0 down. Antony Nwakaeme scored the 1-0 and the 2-0 in favor of Trabzonspor in the 30th and 45th minute, but Stipe... Uh, Stipe Perico scored the 1-2 in the 63rd minute and who else but Mahmoud Trezeguet, I was almost saying David there by the way, Mahmoud Trezeguet scored the equalizer in the 90th minute through a penalty following a VAR decision uh, due to a handball that was seen on a corner kick. Um, let's get into this result first, Burak, penalty or no penalty for you? I think that was a penalty, and that was the same penalty that Fenerbahce should have been given against uh, Rize um, on on Saturday uh, when the ball struck the Rize player's hand. Uh, hand. So for me, uh, yes. Ozzy, you penalty or not? Uh, yes, agreed, agreed. Similar situation. Hmm. I was uh, not hundred percent sure on it. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not, I wasn't sure about the intent. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the Marcao penalty against Benfica. I, I, obviously, his hand is is nowhere near his body. Um, but I don't know. The ball shoots through a little bit. Uh, the, I think the the opponent, uh, the Kasim Pasha player, was in f- slightly in front of him. I don't know if it was 100% intentional, but I, I d- definitely not a controversial call by any means. Um, but Kasim Pasha's first point and coming back from two 0 down. Both of Nwakaeme's goals were, were, were very good, but also at the same time lackluster defending, I think. Uh, very individual uh, goals, uh, definitely um, something that's going to go on his highlight reel. But uh, yeah, Trabzonspor, sloppy again. I, I watched the majority of the second half, really leaning back, especially after Kasim Pasha got one back. And, and just that last 15 or so minutes... Trabzonspor, I think, didn't leave their own half, were locked in by Kasim Pasha, uh, a very weakened Kasim Pasha, not the same as we saw in the first half of the season. Um, the substitution at halftime, of, uh, which I noted here, of uh, Karim Hafez, who gave the assist to the first goal, that definitely uh, had an impact on the scoring procedures here, uh, and, a, and a, perhaps important point for Kasim Pasha and maybe good news for Besiktas that Trabzonspor did not win that was their closest rival uh, for uh, third place um, and the difference there between them but remains four points now anything to add gentlemen uh, yeah I just want to say um, Kasim Pasha did not play like a team who had lost six games on the bounce yeah. um, and I thought the first Nokame uh, goal um, did he foul the uh, Kassan Pasha player as he went through um, there was a de- decision on that that was uh, I didn't think it was I think he just out muscled him mm-hmm. and and Trubs on sports form last six games one two drawn two yeah. lost Terrible. two it's like they're just up and down like a yo-yo um, but was there did, did something happen to, to Mustafa Denizli was he taken um, ill or something um, during the game I read or is that just me um, just reading something So I, saw, I swear I saw something on Twitter about him I was very busy with my notes unfortunately so yeah. I really didn't pick anything up like that do you did know you? did you see anything Ozzy about uh, Mustafa Denizli uh, no I didn't actually because uh, straight after I started preparing for, for the show as well so I, I missed something if it's happened hmm yeah, I'm just looking on Twitter now, and it said that he's been uh, taken yeah. to the hospital like during the game. 
Okay. Oh yeah, he, he didn't come back for the second half. That's right. Maybe that's why they. <laughs> Maybe that's why they were so much better in the second half. Oh dear. Yeah, um, maybe not the best remark, but yeah, get well soon, Mustafa Denizli. Um, yeah, absolutely. Then the other result, quite maybe surprising, Akisar winning that one, 3 to 1 against Alanya Spor. Alanya Spor, who had been in decent form of late, um, but it was uh, Milan Lukac who opened the scoring in the 65th minute. An own goal. I don't know if you guys saw this, but this was both hilarious oh. and tragic at the same time. And you know what you expect when a team. That are that low in the table with sixty-five, with only uh, eighteen points, I believe, and and so close to relegating, and you go down in that fashion in the sixty-fifth minute, you just expect them to completely implode. But nothing was farther from the truth because Zeki Yavru with a screaming, with a stunner in the uh, in this uh, which minute was it seventy-fourth minute, uh, pulled things level, and then Bilal Kisa only three minutes later puts Akisar ahead in the seventy-seventh minute. And again, 10 minutes later, in the 87th minute, again, Ziki Yavru, this time from a free kick. And another phenomenal strike puts the, the final scoreline on, on the scoreboard, 3-1. to one. Um, Yeah, great goals from Ziki Yavru, not something you see will see every day. Um, and then also, we're mentioning this is the first win in 10 games for Akisar. So they had gone 9 matches without a win. Their last match that they won was 3-0 against Fenerbahce on December 9th. So, first win of, obviously, first win of 2019. And first win in 10 matches. And this gives them a little bit of a lifeline. They're up to 21 points now. Um, which, yeah, gives them a slight chance. I'm going to throw to you first, Burak. I just want to focus on the the goalkeeping error um, because I just thought that was absolutely horrendous. What is he, what has he done there? What's the Akisara goalkeeper doing? Um, so, but we we said exactly the same thing about Lukács last week in the game against Galatasaray. Yeah, what he was stop exactly? using what his was feet. He thinking? He should stop using his feet. But uh, it has to be said here, though, his teammate perhaps should not have given him that pass. I mean, uh, maybe a testament to the teammate that he still has any faith in, in Lukács' footwork. But dear God, what was oh, that? I, that was probably the, the worst piece of footwork I've seen since Fevzi kicked over the ball and the ball agonizingly slowly rolled over the goal line between Bishtesh and Galtz right in that match and at 1-1 then. Um, in 1999 or 98 or something. But oh, this was just absolutely abysmal. And then those two strikes, guys, those, those Zeki Yavru goals. Dear me, what was that? He is obviously probably thinking, you know, here I am, Trabzon. I think that's what. They're, but there was um, there were great strikes, and even their the other goal, who was who, who scored their their other goal, yeah. even but yeah. yeah. that was a great strike. As all you know, Akisar's goals are really good. I'd implore the listeners just to just mm-hmm. to Google and watch the highlights. So just three great strikes, and you know it was completely unexpected. You know, the the first win in five, I think first win in six actually. Um, so. And potential back-to-back first, Turkish first win in ten matches. Bloody hell! And um, three one. I mean, not, not, did not it. counting the Turkish Cup, obviously. Yeah, obviously, but yeah, absolutely uh, phenomenal strikes. And, and you know what? Those are the types of goals you'd expect from Bilal Kisa, that free kick and that uh, that first strike from Zeki Yavru, mm. but definitely not from Zeki. Uh, he's born in his um, he's Hamsi Pilar, um, getting <laughs> his strength up. <laughs> yeah. Anything? Anything to add, Ozer? 
Ah, uh, no, not really. Uh, just that it was four very memorable goals in one game. We're blessed with those. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and a great result for Agisar, which brings us to the standings. Agisar are still bottom in the bottom three there on 21 points. Erzurum Spar have one point more. They're on 22 points. Then we have a four-point uh, difference with Gustepe, who are on 26 points. Then we have Bursa Spor, just one point above the mark. Uh, with 27 points, and then there's a little bit uh, more of a, of, a, of a gap still. 28 points for Fenerbahce, 28 points as well for Chaiko Rizespor, of course. They played each other this weekend, and then there's uh, another couple of teams with 30 points. Ankara, Guju, Kasim, Pasha uh, both have 30 points. Uh, that's most of that worth mentioning. At the top, Bashakshi here have now 54 points, and they are 8 points clear from second. Galtzrai uh, have 46 points. Bishiktesh, 41 points. Those are the European spots, uh, 1, 2, and 3. And then the fourth spot uh, that also gives uh, rights to the European qualifiers for the Europa League uh, is currently taken by Trabzonspor, who are on 37 points, 2 points more than Konyaspor, and uh, 3 points more than Malatyaspor. So those are the standings for this week. Uh, let's quickly go over to the fixtures for next week, if uh, you guys want to take a look. Um, so match day 25, on Friday we have Sivaspor hosting Malatyaspor. On Saturday, we have Ankara Guju hosting Bursa Spor, a very interesting match uh, between two brethren clubs, so to speak. Uh, Trabzon Spor hosts Akisar Spor in the midday match, and the late match will be Basakshir versus Fenerbahce. That's, I think, for most people, the, ones, the, the one match that they'll be looking out for. Then on Sunday, the early match is Alanya Spor against Erzurum Spor. Um, then midday matches, we have two of those. We have Gustepe versus Kasem Pasha and Chaikurize Sport versus Bükşehir Birli Erzurum Sport. And then the evening match is Besiktas against Konya Sport. Then on Monday, there's just one match. That one is Galtzrai hosting Antalya Sport. So Galtzrai will have to wait uh, almost 48 hours until after the Başakşehir Fenerbahçe result to uh, play their match. So... That's a lot of time to mentally prepare should Bishakshi here uh, drop points. Guys, which game stands out to you most? I'm going to throw to you first, Burak. Uh, for me, um, oh, if we if we don't pick uh, Bishakshi here very much, because that is my team, I believe the Ankara Gujia Borsa Sports match mm -hmm. is very, very tight. Um, Borsa on 27 points and Ankara Gujia on 30. Real relegation dogfight scrap. Looking forward to seeing that. And um, also, Gostepe Kasumpasha, I think, should be quite interesting. Again, just because they're quite close in points. Yeah. And with Gostepe during, same with Kasumpasha. Um, I'm going to say, I, I think Istam Farabach will get at least a point away at Boshakshir here. Um, mm. So that's my that's my prediction. I'm going bold. I'm going bold and beautiful with some <laughs> baby. Um, but yeah. Is he? Oh, sorry. I um, again, aside from the highlight fixture of Bashakje Fener, my my pick of the bunch is Gustaper as well. I think yeah. at home, and with slightly more confidence, having having drawn this weekend, uh, I think that'll be the game to watch. It'll be a great atmosphere in Izmir as well. Yeah, when we talk about defining moments in the season, this could be a defining moment for them. If they cannot beat Kazan Pasha, I think then they're in deep, deep trouble. Yes, exactly, exactly, mm -hmm. and and. The the point blank save that Better made earlier on, uh, in mm -hmm. uh, earlier on Friday on uh, on Sunday rather, 
might be might prove to be really crucial because he kept them in the game, kept them with a one yeah. point. And then, of course, the, the Ankara Gaju Bursa Spore match. It's interesting on multiple levels. Uh, will Ankara Gaju have a little bit of breeding space now, four points uh, away from relegation at the moment? Will they do the do the favor to Bursa Spore, their brother and club? I, I doubt they are in a position to do so. Uh, Bursa Spore coming off their first win in nine, if I'm not mistaken. So they'll have some confidence heading into this match. And of course, there'll be tribute, tribute being paid to the two young Ankara Guju fans who lost their lives uh, tragically on, on Friday. But um, yeah, those are two very interesting matches beside the obvious pick of, of Bashakshi here, Fenerbahce. And uh, those are your expectations for that mini derby. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for a draw. Okay. Um, you know what? I think so too. Because Fenerbahce have... I don't think there's... I mean, defensively, they're clearly not very solid. I mean, conceding a lot of goals. But they are tenacious. And I don't think they're easy to beat at this point. Despite the fact that they concede a lot of goals. So, um, if Fenerbahce can get the first goal, I could even see them get a win. Bashakshi here always seem to struggle against Fenerbahce in particular. So, um, let's hope for, for, for the sake of the, the title race that we get an, an upset win from Fenerbahce here. That will do it for episode 3 of Football Alla Turca. Thank you everyone for listening once again. And uh, please check the show notes for our Twitter handles. See you all next week. <laughs>